coming up in today's Film Disruptors. What's really becoming clear is uh, in the future, uh, you know, distributors that know their customer and know what the preferences of the individual customers are, they will have an advantage. They will be the ones that succeed because like the, the with the audience fragmentation that I talked about earlier, uh, you know, there's so much stuff every day that, that we're inundating people with and we're all competing for eyeballs. We will need to know who this movie works for. Hello and welcome to Film Disruptors with me, Alex Stoltz, where we share insights and strategies from the leaders who are redefining and reimagining film and storytelling. And I am delighted to welcome Hanno Bass to the show. Hanno sets the technology agenda for 20th Century Fox in his role as Chief Technology Officer. This essentially means he is at the fulcrum of tech and Hollywood and working across all the major consumer industrial and tech trends in entertainment right now. A lot of Hannah's work, as you might imagine, is very much focused about thinking on the future of the entertainment industry. And so today's show provides this hugely privileged insight into this and, well, the future of Hollywood from green lighting to production and distribution. Hanno was incredibly generous with the breadth and depth of knowledge that he shared with me and us on the show. In fact, so much so, it was simply too much fantastic information for just one episode. So this episode is in two parts. This is part two, which is all about distribution and audiences, including marketing, direct-to-consumer strategies, and Hanno's take on the cinema exhibition experience. There's no need to have listened to part one, but I would recommend doing so as Hanno really sets the scene for this episode as well as covering how technology is also reshaping the green lighting and production process for studios. If you're enjoying the show or just want to find out more there are a couple of ways to stay in touch. Firstly subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts as it's now called. Just click subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. You can also sign up for updates at the home of Film Disruptors. That's www.alexstoltz.com. Just enter your email to receive all the latest Film Disruptors news and episodes straight to your inbox. And this is where you can also access previous episodes, find out more about our featured guests, and get in touch. So that just leads me to say thank you for listening. And now I'm going to hand you over to Hanno Bass. And I started part two by asking Hanno about the distribution trends in film right now. So I think there's there's two major areas. One is theatrical distribution, so movie theaters and uh, uh, home entertainment. I'll, I'll talk about theatrical first. So because uh, I think the the what we're seeing there is that. Um, you know, yes, we went from analog, you know, from, you know, presenting film prints in a theater to digital. Um, and, you know, we did a little bit in 3D and 3D worked for a while. And then, you know, we, we make less 3D than we used to. But fundamentally, the transition from analog to digital didn't really fundamentally change, you know, the experience in the theater. 
uh, right? Still the same kind of quality. It's a little bit more stable maybe than a, than a film uh, project, projection, but overall it's, it's, it's similar quality. Actually, you could even say in some sense that, you know, some purists will say that they like, you know, film projection better than, than digital projection. But the point is, what the the in the the in theater experience hasn't fundamentally changed whereas the in home experience is changing we went from standard def to high def now to 4k with high dynamic range and so on and so forth and uh, immersive sound and so on um so on the theatrical side we know that the especially on the uh, image side of things that you know we have to catch up with what's happening in the home, and so we're we're pursuing um, uh, several different technologies to figure out how do can we get get uh, high dynamic range content into theaters. So high dynamic range, just real quick, means that your uh, bright uh, aspects of the image are much brighter than they are today, and your blacks are much deeper, deeper than you are today. So, uh, in in cinemas today, the contrast ratio is about two thousand to one. Uh, you know, with a reg regular xenon projector, with a high contrast laser projector, you get to five, six thousand to one, maybe. Uh, with HDR, we're talking about something like a um, hundred thousand to one. So really, a huge change in in contrast, which which you know makes it makes it a, a much more immersive, a much more impactful experience. And there's a there's a couple of technologies that we're looking at uh, uh, to make that happen. Um, uh, one that's been in the press a lot is LED cinema, where you basically use uh, uh, you know, the same technology that you're using for, for electronic billboards and the Jumbotron at a stadium and so on, that same, you know, direct emissive LED technology, we, we can, the, the quality now is, is at a point where we can actually use it to, to present uh, movies. Um, and so we're working on what, does, that, what that looks like and what it takes to get, get that technology into theaters. Um, there's some technological issues with it there's some a, a lot of it is, has to do with how, how expensive that, that technology is uh, but we'll get there I mean it's just a matter of time so um, so that that's kind of what we're working on on the theatrical side um, to really kind of make sure that you know five years from now people will still want to go to the theater uh, that you know their their streaming experience at home doesn't outperform what, what, what they see in, in theater so that's that's really something we're working on and and as as i said we've got some good technologies to look at here mm. and and you see the theatrical business still being a, a key as as we move forward oh yeah I, I think it's the uh that's the differentiator for our business is is really the theatrical window if we, if we don't have that then then you know how is our our product different from you know, a, a TV show on some streaming services, it's no different. And and what I think what people don't appreciate is that um, in addition to uh, the revenue that you do get from, a, from the theatrical release, the theatrical release is also a huge marketing machine for subsequent monetization of the movie. Uh, because if a, if a movie gets, gets released in theaters, it's an event. You know, people have to get out of their homes, they go you know, downtown or wherever, 
to uh, to the movie theater and they, they go with friends, they go with family, whatever. And so it's a totally different thing than just plopping down in front of a TV and, and, and okay, let's see what's on and, 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 you know, half an hour and you realize you don't want to watch this and you watch something else. So, um, so, so movies are different in that regard, you know, and, and, and people do like the, uh, the social interaction, the, the commun communal experience, right? You watch, um, you know, uh, yeah, I just saw a, a preview of Bohemian Rhapsody the other day, and mm -hmm. you know, people sit there and cry and and cheer and and, and whatever, you, because you know, they, and that's a communal thing. You you don't do that necessarily when you watch something at home by yourself. So, uh, I, I don't think that that's ever going to go away. So so the the theatrical window is not going to go away for for all these reasons. And, it, and it's still the key differentiator for our business. And and actually, if you look at uh, a box office this year, uh, I mean, we're having a, a record year. It's never been as good uh, in, in terms of revenue uh, for for the domestic box office, and I think internationally as well. So so people really still, you know, come to theaters and 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 watch what we do. So it's important. You're listening to Film Disruptors, and I'm in conversation with Fox CTO, Hanno Bass. And if you are enjoying the show, I'd love if you would leave a review on iTunes. In this section, I ask Hanno about the direct-to-consumer strategy and trend, which is currently sweeping the entertainment industry. So in the past, um, the studio business has been a wholesale business, right, in, in every aspect of it. So... We make movies and then we sell them to uh, another company. So we're really a B2B business. So we either sell it to a theater chain for exhibition or we sell it to a, um, um, you know, uh, either a you know, digital distributor like uh, a cable company like you know, Sky in the UK, they buy our movies or, you know, or Apple, iTunes or so and so forth um, or you know, physical goods which we don't directly sell to consumers either, right? We sell them through Amazon and Walmart and, and Tesco and what have you. So, um, uh, so and which, which was okay, I think, f for a while, but what it really, what's really becoming clear is uh, in the future, uh, you know, distributors that know their customer and know what the preferences of the individual customers are, they will have an advantage. They will be the ones that succeed because with like the, the with the audience fragmentation that I talked about earlier, uh, you know, there's so much stuff every day that, that we're inundating people with and we're all competing for eyeballs. We will need to know who this movie works for, right? If we make a movie like Hidden Figures, okay, what, what's the demographic for that one? Uh, we really need to understand the audience and we need to know what to tell them, why they need to watch this movie and not another one. So that, you know, if somebody who primarily wants to watch, you know, family movies and, and it may not be any family movie, it, it might be pretty specific, uh, we need to know that. We need to know, for example, you with your family, who you guys are, and what resonates with you. Because we want you to be entertained with our 
with our product. We don't want you to be frustrated with our product, which is what what's happening a lot now. Um, where because there's so much stuff, you know, uh, the the last three or four times now I tried a TV show of some sort, I stopped, you know, after the third or fourth episode because it it's not what I wanted to watch. And and I'm trying and I'm doing this now because there are so many things to watch. I can't figure out how to how do I find a TV show now that really resonates with me that that I'm really that I really want to see. And so so you need to know your 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 customer. And for that, you need to have data about those customers uh, for, for mainly for marketing purposes. And it's not actually for for a sinister reason that we want to know everything about you. It's basically we want to make sure that if we present a movie to you, we, we want to make sure you are not wasting your time. We we showing you a movie that we think you're going to like and you're going to you're going to watch. That's that's really what this is about. I mean, uh, marketing a movie is very very complicated. Uh, it's not straightforward, and and we just need to understand. Our, our consumers better, and I think the companies that actually uh, solve that issue, they're the ones that that will be successful in, in in the long run. And so that's why that's why you see, you know, everybody in the entertainment business now going uh, for a direct to consumer model because we need to tailor. I, I wouldn't say necessarily we need to tailor the content to our consumers, but what we need to do is. We need to tailor the audience to um, to a piece of content that we have. Um, so, and, and and for that we need to, it's because otherwise, like the way we market people uh, movies today is is just very very inefficient, uh, right? This this one size fits all. We we cut a couple of trailers. We you know. Uh, run them in movie theaters first, and then they're on YouTube and what have you. And then the week before the movie comes out, okay, the, the, we we run them at thirty second spots on 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 TV to get movie to get people to, get, to go to the movies. So we need to have different ways to um, to get people there, because it it doesn't work the same. So the discussion, for example, we had a while ago here is what's the right time to market a movie to somebody. So for example, you could say. You know, a family with kids, if you want, you know, the parents to go see that movie, they need to arrange a babysitter and all kinds of other things. So they need to know probably, you know, a few days in advance that, okay, next Saturday, this movie is out, we want to go see it. So you need to tell them a week before, hey, next week we're coming out with this movie, this is the one you want to see, uh, so plan for it. But then there's plenty of other people for them that doesn't work at all. They, they don't know what they're going to do tomorrow night, let alone, you know, a week from now. So they need to be told either the day before or that day. So, so it's already, that, that's a simple example for, you know, you know, not the, the same marketing method doesn't work for everybody. So you have to tailor it. And, and, and obviously there's, there's, you know, thousands of shades of gray from there. And that, that's really, that's why we're all going uh, direct to consumers because okay then we know our audience we know how to talk to them we know what 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 they'll what they'll engage with um, you know so so you know if today uh, if you if you look at the conversion rate of a given TV commercial right even one that runs nationally it's you know you know pennies on you know fractions of pennies on on the money that we spend per per impression, right? Um, 
we really need to get to a point where, okay, if we, you know, spend a dollar to, um, to, you know, you know, to advertise this movie to you, for example, there's a higher likelihood we get that dollar back in revenue. That That's really, that's really what we, what we're after to really dramatically increase the, the, the conversion rate of our marketing. Um, you know, um, and, and we believe with targeted marketing, I mean, I think, People in in the industry, we all know. Actually, it's not the fact, the matter of belief. We all know that you know, with highly targeted uh, uh, marketing, you can clearly move the needle. That's been proven over and over. And so that's the, that's the whole reason why we're all going direct to consumer. Mm. Do you do you also need your own channels to complete that direct to consumer mission, or, uh, or uh, as as per Disney? At the moment. Yeah, so so I mean, then the thing is, and I think uh, Netflix kind of blazed that trail here, which is, okay, if you have a direct-to-consumer offering, how do you actually make people go to it all the time, right? I mean, and and at the end of the day, uh, well, HBO has shown this in the past as well. You, if all the streaming services just become aggregators, all of the same content. Okay, then how do you get people to to subscribe to your service over somebody else, right? In the past, if it was uh, cable and satellite, there were typically, you know, two choices or three choices maybe at most, and somebody, you know, depending on where you lived, and very often just one choice, uh, and so that was easy. But now with with OTT, anybody can set up a streaming service, and so how do you make people come to your service and not somebody else's? The only way to do that is with original programming, programming that people want to watch. You know, uh, Game of Thrones for um, for for HBO, uh, Stranger Things and House of Cards and that sort of thing for um, for Netflix. And so that that's why, so that that's the other side of the coin, and that's why we see this ex- this crazy, actually, in my mind, explosion of of content creation. I mean, Hollywood people are going crazy here right now. It's I don't even think this is sustainable. The you know as I said, you know just you know a company like Netflix on their own working on hundreds of TV shows. I mean, who's going to watch all that stuff? So so they'll have shows where the uh, the audience is going to be in the tens of thousands. Uh, and the question is, hey, is that worth it? But uh, okay, that's not for me to decide. But the well, it's different models, right? So, I mean, it's different goals because it yeah. seems to me that Netflix, their goal is to draw, have have so much content that it it makes subscription, you know, kind of very compelling. Whereas a, a film producer is is in a completely different isn't a case where they actually need people to go and uh, to go and see that particular movie, which makes it. And so in the consumer in the middle, they've got all of this content in one hand on Netflix where Netflix are, 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 and other platforms and you know providers are, are producing it. Maybe it's like you say, it's not sustain. It's not sustainable in the traditional sense, but for mm-hmm. them it, it works as a, as, as the marketing to, to draw people in and it makes it very difficult for your traditional film model. Yeah. So, and that, that is a, that is obviously, uh, uh, true. I mean, we're, you know, our business here traditionally has all been about transactions, right? I mean, individual transactions per movie. So whether that's, you know, the amount of, 
of uh, tickets sold, so admissions in theaters, the the amount of discs we sold, um, you know, or or you know, digital transactions on 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 iTunes or Google Play or or what have you. Um, whereas obviously. Um, the streaming business, the subscription business, is is very different. They, they're the it's not at all about you know individual transactions in terms of you know okay how, how many people have seen this show. I mean, at some case, in some point, it is that it, it, it has to make sense financially at the end of the day. But really, this is all about um, uh, acquiring and retaining subscribers. Right. And, and, and for them, if you can if you can make them feel that if they subscribe to your service and they don't miss out on anything, they got everything they want from the esoteric to the mainstream, you know, then uh, then then, you know, the likelihood of you keeping them for a very long time is, is very high. So it's just the, the approach is just different. So you're not looking at, OK, how do you uh, you don't look at how do I maximize viewership for this one piece of content? is how do I maximize participation in my business here overall? And it doesn't matter whether, you know, this one piece of content, you know, drastically outperforms this other one. It doesn't matter as long as, you know, you know, all these, these, these different types of content just serve different, you know, segments of my, of my um, subscriber base, right? So mm -hmm. it's just a very mm -hmm. different approach. So, you, you know, so you care less about, it's not like you don't care at all, but you care somewhat less about, you know, how many individual views you get for, per, for a particular piece of content. So which is, which is a total different departure from how our, our business works and also how the traditional television business worked, right? Uh, ratings and all that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. it's really interesting. But the, but the other, the other side though, which is also really interesting is, is, which people don't want to admit, you know, especially normal consumers don't want to admit, is the world needs advertising. It, it does. It, it's like otherwise, you know, how do you how do you make buying decisions on your next car, on you know what clothes to buy, and what furniture to buy, and on what what uh, uh, detergent to buy? People need actually be told what products are out there. So advertising is actually necessary, and so. What's really going to be interesting to see is, in in you know, because advertising was so heavily focused on television for the last uh, what uh, sixty years or so, how is that going to morph? Because all that money, all that demand for advertising needs to go somewhere. So that that will be interesting to see. I, I think we have not seen the end of that one yet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And you know, if you you probably read that somewhere. Netflix has already been been experimenting a little bit with 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 that kind of stuff, with you know pre-rolling, you know n not ads per se, but you know uh, teasers for other shows before you get to watch your show. Um, and and people <laughs> were not happy. <laughs> I gotta say. So so we'll have to see where that works out. But I, I just point want to point out that you know there's you know advertisers are really really antsy as to because they know, you know, what they do is actually needed, but they have no clue as to how to 
or not no clue, but they're they're mm. struggling to figure out okay where are they going to take their ad dollars in the future and and what makes sense. So. Well, yeah, and oh, we could I could just keep talking for forever here. I mean the, the yeah. um and, and I and I don't I won't because I need you need need to get on with your day. But I mean one one idea for advertisers or brands uh, is is to start getting more involved in the. Uh, the creation of these shows, I guess, mm -hmm. and yeah. and engaging oh, yeah. in that way. Yes. Um, but look, I, 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 we've, 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 you know, I know we've run over a little bit already. So I, I just, I'd like to just quickly, if that's okay, if you, if you're still sure. okay, just, to, just to ask, Hanno, your advice uh, for emerging storytellers, and I'll explain that a little bit. Just, just if, if someone mm -hmm. is coming into the, I would normally say film but it's 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 so fluid these days somebody who wants to tell uh, a story she has a, a vision she mm -hmm. wants to um connect with audiences build mm -hmm. a career in in the mm -hmm. space of storytelling mm -hmm. i know you you also do a lot of stuff with the school of cinematic arts um mm -hmm. in university of southern california so mm -hmm. just yeah please i'd love to get your perspective and what you would say to someone in that situation yeah so uh, you know i would say you know, obviously i'm a i'm an engineer i'm a technologist so it's something i would say but but it, it is you 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 need to focus on or at least don't lose sight of the technology uh around you so um I think we didn't talk about this much. I think we touched on this only briefly. I think virtual reality and augmented reality will come and will revolutionize our, our business and will revolutionize storytelling. So that's clearly something, uh, you know, aspiring storytellers need to be aware of and focus on and, and figure out how do you bridge um, the creative and artistic aspects of what you do with the technical aspects of what you need to do. So what we're seeing very clearly now is with, with especially these new types of entertainment, whether it's VR and AR and gameplay and so on and so forth, there's a very tight uh, collaboration and, and uh, you know, between the our, our artistic elements here and the technical elements. So, so there's actually a new crop of of, of students here appearing. They, you know, either you know people that went a little bit more in artistic line, but but also took some uh, technical classes, or you actually have straight up engineers uh, also g going into the more artistic field. So you have a hybrid of the two. So there's clearly. A future there. I'm not saying that everybody, like directors and pro producers, they don't need to know how to use Maya or, or you know, Unreal or something like that. But they, at the very least, need to understand what what it does um, and what it can do. Uh, because I think in the future that that's really going to be important. And and um, and what people also need to realize is in, the, in that space, we're like where movies where in the 19 teens. So we haven't really figured out what the language of it is. Uh, how do we actually, how do you really tell stories in that environment? How do you interweave narrative with interactive play? How do you make all that work? And so 
that's something I think if I was an inspiring storyteller, I would really focus on is, is, is that. So have a, at least a cursory understanding of the underlying technology and also find people that know the technology that you can work with and that kind of resonate with your artistic vision. That's really something. And, and we see that at, at, at SCA, we see that very clearly. A lot of the projects that are happening there now are, are like VR related. They, for example, um, at USC a couple of years ago, they founded this uh, VR club. So it's something extracurricular, you know, uh, volunteer basis only. And the thing has almost a thousand members now. That's how, you know, it's by far the biggest club USC ever had, um, at least along the lines of, okay, here's a specific thing that you want to do, you know, not, not counting like some political action committee or some committee or something like that, but, but really just so a specific, you know, subject matter. Um, and, and so, and, and, and all kinds of people are there, you know, producers, direct, directors, kind of screenwriters, but also engineers, uh, you know, computer scientists, um, you know, that sort of thing. And it's all together. So, so that's what I would really say is, is kind of figure that out because that's where the, that's where, um, all the excitement, all the research, uh, and all the, you know, experimentation is today. And that's that. That's where you know. That's the language of storytelling that has yet to be uh, invented, and so which also makes it really exciting. And I think that's uh, also something that I think only really the young generation can do because they're unencumbered of with all the baggage. And you know, if you're a 50-year-old director, you know, there's a lot of things that you've learned in your career. This is how you do it. This is what you don't do. This is what works. This is what don't, doesn't work. And so it's a little bit harder to break out from that. But but I think as a you know I think that it, there's a general recognition here as, uh, that really that there's a lot of expectation from our young generation that they'll figure this out for the rest of us. <laughs> So that was part two of my conversation with Hanno Bass, CTO of 20th Century Fox. If you want to find out more about Hanno, listen to other episodes or get in touch, please visit alexstoltz.com. And if you are enjoying the show, you can also subscribe on iTunes and feel free to leave a review. So that's it for this episode. I'd like to say thank you again for listening and look forward to seeing you again soon. As anyone listening to this show for a while will know, the business of storytelling is something I'm personally very passionate about. And when I'm not interviewing film disruptors, I love applying this passion and using my expertise to help independent storytellers and filmmakers accomplish their goals and get stories made and seen. I do this by working with storytellers intensively or over a longer period to develop the project and strategy for maximum finance, distribution and commercial impact. If you are a filmmaker or storyteller and would like to find out more about how I can help your project, I'd love to hear from you. Please go to alexstoltz.com or just drop me an email at alex at alexstoltz.com.